Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is a lively Tuesday morning here on our Chatterbox Studios in Hamilton, Ohio. I mean, we are going at it here early and often. We got lots happening here. We welcome you to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman alongside Casey McAllister and Paul Fritcher. We'll be getting to them shortly. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can join us a number of different ways. Go to YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. Please subscribe to the program. You can find us streaming live on Facebook. That's on the Chatterbox Sports page or in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman wherever you find your podcast and you're be dialed in. Is this, is this the first misfire of the offseason for the Bengals? You have to believe they wanted Von Bell back, right? I mean, he's only 28 years old. He's been a captain all three years. He's been a Bengal. And by all accounts, he's the heart and soul and the leader of that defense. You knew Jesse Bates was leaving. That became official yesterday. Four years, $64 million with Atlanta. We also knew that the second-year player, Dax Hill, is the guy who was going to take Bates' place alongside Bell. But now Bell is a Carolina Panther. I didn't see this one coming, did you? All I remember the words of Lou Anarumo at the Combine. He was asked about losing Bell and Bates in his complicated scheme defensively. He said that would be a dark day if we lost both of them. That has now happened. The team did re-sign linebacker Jermaine Pratt. He gets three years $21 million. He said he wants to be a three-down linebacker. He might get that chance now. We'll cover the rest of the day in the NFL here shortly, but want to get to our main man. All things in the National Football League, former Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick is back with us, kind enough to join us. How are you, young man? I mean, you got the golf yep. shirt on, but it looks yep. like you're hanging there in Columbus, Ohio. It's snowing here. Is it sunny and 80 there? No, no, thank God for indoor simulators. <laughs> it, it, uh, no, it is. Uh, we had a little dusting, and it is uh, cold and chilly up here. Yes, it is. All right, walk me through, Brian, this time of year from a head coaching standpoint. you got so many moving pieces. I mean, I don't know how anybody keeps track of all of this player movement in the National Football League. As a coaching staff or with your general manager, your days with Ozzie Newsom or ownership, or your cap guy, are you sitting around almost nonstop right now for four or five days to figure this whole thing out? You are, and there is no figuring it out. You know, it's like a Rubik's Cube that's constantly moving, and whatever it is you thought you knew, okay, this is what it's going to take to keep this player or that player, all of a sudden it changes, particularly with the cap expanding the way it is right now. And it's a tough time because you want to keep everybody. Um, and it can be frustrating. And I know Ozzy always used to come in and, and, you know, if you just come in and say, well, this is going to cost this, this is going to cost that, you kind of think, well, okay, I'm, I'm like the government. I'll just keep printing money. It's not my money. I'll just keep spending <laughs> But But he would always do a good job of going, well, okay, if okay, if we keep player A, you're, we lose B, C, D, and E. And then, then, then it becomes very real. So there's that constant balancing of – is this one player worth losing these types of players? 
Uh, plus, there's opportunities. You kind of focus on the other side. That's where the coaches are right now. I mean, you know who you want to keep, and that's up for the money people to say, okay, can you make those deals within the parameters that fit the cap for us? But for the coaches, you go on the premise that, okay, I'm going to lose some guys. So I'm, I'm going to, you're knee deep right now, just coming out of the combine. So you've been very focused on the, on the college players and you have been leading up to it as well. But right now you are knee deep in looking at, okay, what's available. If we lose a Von Bell, if we lose a Jesse Bates, what's out there in free agency, what's a good deal? Cause there will be some deals. And then you balance it with Ozio as used to say, I want to make the moves in free agency that allow us to draft and don't have to dictate what our draft is going to be so that you're reaching for players by position. So there's going to be some some deals out there as well. You know, I, I mentioned right before you came on that Lou Anarumo said the defensive coordinator of the Bengals uh, had said that it, it would be his darkest day if the team lost both Bates and Bell. I think everybody around here knew Bates was gone. Uh, after they try to sign him to a long-term deal. They like Dax Hill, their number one pick from a year ago, to sort of step in there with Bates. I think everybody felt like Bell would come back. From a coaching standpoint, and I know your side was more the offensive side than the defense, but you had to oversee the whole thing. Um, how much of a roll of the dice is it, theoretically, if you walked into a season with two very young safeties as starters for a team is trying to get and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's tough at the safety position. Corners you can cover to a degree because you can isolate them on one side. Uh, the safeties kind of have to hold it together and they have to kind of work in tandem. You know, it's, it's okay if you're doing this, then I'll augment it and I'll do that. And you're obviously communicating with the corners so they know what's, you know, what's going on as well. So um, it's, it's, that is a tough position. You hate to lose both. You'd like to have one veteran safety, and there are some out there that'll come available. You know uh, uh, that 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 you look around the league, and Devin McCourty in New England, you know, would be a veteran guy that certainly they might look at. Uh, 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 Terrell Edmonds coming out of Pittsburgh, so you you know there are there there's there's opportunities out there, uh, but to have both, if they're counting on drafting, which is certainly they're capable of doing young safeties and them being the starters to have two young safeties that's that's tough the last time we talked you were starting to do a shift and you admittedly said you did not see this coming when you were doing the uh radio uh analysis for the ravens there at the end of the year um when they played the bengals about the whole lamar jackson thing they they give him the non-exclusive tag which means another team can sign him. The Ravens then have the decision to match that offer sheet or let him go to the other team and they get two first-round draft picks. Where do you see all that now after all this has taken place? It's a, it's a, it's a predictable move by the Ravens because it's okay. We'll let someone else do the negotiating. Okay, now you don't have to get drawn in with the player. Uh, and 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 the eventual, you know, well, I'm being disrespected. And I always love that when players who you're offering 40, 50, 60 million, in this instance, 250, 300 million. Well, I was disrespected by the offer. You know, you disrespect me all you want for 50, 60, 80 million dollars. <laughs> uh, but now the Ravens can say, okay, we, we weren't able to come to accommodation. All right, you go, go have at it. See what the market wants to pay you. And you'll let someone else do the negotiation. And then you can either match it or, you know, you're going to get the draft choices. Remember the Ravens, uh, their, their most recent 
experience in this was negotiating and signing a Joe Flacco after the Super Bowl year. And he bet on himself. He bet on the come and obviously had a great run there. Uh, and they gave him what was at the time a big mega quarterback contract. And it never really, you know, he played okay, but never really panned out, really didn't get a return on your investment. Uh, and so they're, and I know Steve Bashotti is very cognizant of this. And they, they love Lamar Jackson. They'd love to have him back, but but they're they're going to do it within their parameters. And and he's going to, it was, you know, they're going to they're going to pay him what he's worth. You know, I, I always remember the Art Rooney story of, of saying, I don't mind overplaying for good players. I just don't want to overpay for bad players. Yeah. And and not that Lamar Jackson's a bad player, but they have parameters say, okay, this is what it's worth. And this is what we'll pay. And if that'll happen, this is fair. And this is good for the club and we can deal with that. If not, and, and they're pretty disciplined about going, not chasing deals. You see it more with the other contracts. I remember all the time we come and say, okay, well, this player, it's only going to take us X. To, to sign them and and uh and inevitably it come back x plus and i'm thinking well can we just go the plus you know can we just squeeze a little bit more and and ozzy and the group were were pretty disciplined and going no you know that there there's a there's a price to pay when you do that so we're going to kind of stay with within the parameters and that's one of the reasons they've been so good do you see the Ravens as a team? There was a story yesterday in the athletic that they believe somebody's going to sign Lamar Jackson the Ravens are not going to uh, match it, they're, and they're going to make a trade to try and go get a quarterback. And in the athletic it was yesterday, they had Anthony Richardson as a guy that they would move up to the 4-5 or five hole and pick this guy. Do you see Ozzie Newsom as that kind of guy making that deal? I mean, DaCosta laid it out there, their general manager, that they have been a team that will make a trade, but would they make that kind of trade? You know all the people in the room. They tend, they tend not to, but in this circumstance, it's because it, you, you, you can't look at the decisions to keep Lamar to pay him, to not pay him in a vacuum. Okay. It has to always be, okay, if not, then what? Well, the, then the then what is in conjunction with, okay, what do we think of the quarterback market? Can we get that? Now, as we know, that's an iffy proposition. Now, they've been pretty good, you know, in, in, in what they've, uh, you know, but you can, hubris can kick in here and you can be a, a little not as good as you think you are. Well, we, we got this figured out. We know how to draft quarterbacks now. Okay, maybe. Because regardless of whether it's Stroud or Young or Richardson or all of them, history tells us that, that yeah, there's no reason they shouldn't be good quarterbacks in the NFL, but half of them are going to fail. So Well, that, which, that you know, was a chapter in your book, which I thought was, was just fascinating about the whole quarterback thing and how you think that a guy and this and that, you know, and the one-year starter thing as opposed to a two- or three-year guy – all right, last two questions here. Um, this Aaron Rodgers saying, I mean, if we think we've talked about Lamar Jackson, could you be? Could you imagine being somebody who's trying to follow the Green Bay Packers? Uh, th th this Aaron Rodgers saying, it seems to me, you tell me if you felt the same way, it seems to me that their president, Mark Murphy, who was an outstanding player for a long time in the NFL, it seems to me that they, they, they have come to the end of the rope on this thing. And, and, and I never thought in a million years that Rodgers was leaving. It's starting to look like Rodgers might be leaving. Yeah, I think, and there's a lot, of, lot to do with it. Remember, they've been through this before uh, with Brett Favre. Now they had an Aaron Rodgers in the wings, whether they think they've got that in the wings or not or can do adjust to it. The thing that adds to it here, and we all, we all agree, Aaron Rodgers is still a great player, a difference maker, elite quarterback, future Hall of Famer.
and, and still can play. But at this late stage in his career, and with some of the things he's doing, you know, coming out of the dark and all yeah. that, you, you kind of wonder, all right, what are the priorities here? You know, when you had a Tom Brady, when you had a, a uh, Peyton Manning, and these transitions were in the offing, the one thing you could count on is uh, we know the priorities are right. We know the commitment. If he wants to play, he's committed to play. And 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 right now, um, is Rodgers there? I don't know. It seems like there's a lot. You know, he flirted with doing the game show thing and all that. I'm, I'm not sure where his head is right now. And so I can see where the Packers are going. You know what? This, this is probably not something we should chase as much as we'd love to keep him. We know he's a great player. But uh, too many moving parts right now and the aura he's created around him, I'd be a little concerned if I were the Packers or a team signing him. Having said that now, goes to the right team. If he is motivated, uh, he's going to be the difference maker. All right, Brian, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us, my friend. Great to see you. All the best to the family. Tell Kim hello, right. grandkids, everybody. Hope you're well, my friend. Great seeing you. Thanks Good. for your time. All right, man. Brian Billick, he's the best. He is the best. And he's dialed in on what's happening. Dialed in. Dialed Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Love getting his perspective about, you know, kind of taking you inside uh, the offices down at Paycor. He's like, everybody's there right now. Everybody's there. He, he used the analogy of a Rubik's Cube. I mean, I was sitting here trying to write this monologue for last night. And every time I hit refresh on a couple of websites, there were two or three guys signing contracts with somebody else. And we're not even there yet. We're really there there tomorrow. That's the first full day of free agency. We mentioned Bates to the Falcons. Now, how about their day? They signed six players in 12 hours, including Pro Bowl right guard Chris Lindstrom. The Kansas City Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor, an elite tackle who joins the NFL's best offense. It's almost unfair to think about. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. Is he really going to the Jets? Starting to look that way. Denver. First, they hire Sean Payton. Yesterday, they hit free agency, and I mean hit it with a bang. Signing 49ers standout tackle Mike McGlinchey to a five-year deal. Then they add Baltimore standout guard Ben Powers to a four-year $50 million deal. Then late in the day, add former Cardinal defensive end Zach Allen on a three-year contract and even get a backup quarterback in Jarrett Stidman on a two-year deal. The Raiders lost Derek Carr. And now they have Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo, the former 49er, is now reunited with his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. He was with him in New England, now with him in Vegas. Garoppolo, three years, $67.5 million. Roughly half of that is guaranteed. The NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament officially begins tonight right up the road from here. About a 20-minute ride in Dayton, Ohio. Southeast Missouri State, Paul Fritchner is one of the only human beings on the planet that has stayed up very late to watch them and or Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That is a 640 game. Then you have, we're going to talk more about this later because Paul pointed out we're talking about the show. The 11 seed matchup tonight in Dayton has Pitt against Mississippi State. Now, why is that a big deal? I mean, under normal circumstances, who cares? 
But the winner of that game will play Iowa State in the opening round of the tournament. And the winner of that game has a chance to play Xavier in a second round game. Other news, Temple coach Aaron McKee, interesting deal here. He was let go as head coach yesterday, but he will remain at the school as an advisor. McKee was a great player under John Chaney during the heyday at Temple. Former great Damon Stoudemire is a new head coach at Georgia Tech. He coached at the collegiate level, three different schools, including his alma mater at Arizona, and most recently served as an assistant for the Boston Celtics of the NBA. In baseball, former Red Trevor Bauer can't get a gig after his suspension was lifted in Major League Baseball, so he's headed to the land of the rising sun, Japan, on a one-year deal. The United States hammered Canada, naturally, at the World Baseball Classic 12-1. Mike Trout hit a three-run home run. Lance Lynn, five innings of excellent baseball. Team USA now 2-1 so far. Next up, Colombia on Wednesday night. And the Reds were shut out by the Brewers, eight to nothing. Cactus League play continues later on today for the Red Legs. All right, we have Rick Broering coming up. He is the uh, color analyst alongside play-by-play man Jim Kelch of the NKU broadcast, but he also is the publisher of Musketeer Report. So he's coming up at uh, about 10.30, and then, of course, the Tracer at 11.30. We thank Brian Billick for his time today. We're going to talk a lot more about the NFL, what's going on. But, Paul, let's get right to this 11-seed matchup tonight. Yeah, it's Pitt and Mississippi State. By the way, good morning, gentlemen. Oh, good morning, Tom. Yes. Good morning. Always good nice morning. to say good morning first before you get right into business. How are you today? I, everything's groovy, man. Good. I mean, I'm solo with our son right now. He was on his game last night. Marymont looked like Marymont last night in lacrosse. Big win, last scrimmage of the year, season opener Saturday, out there in the freezing cold. Gamers! Now proceed on to basketball. <laughs> Pitt and Mississippi State play tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is... Uh, Like you said, Tom, this is a game that probably means a little bit more to this show than the game tomorrow night. The weird thing this year is usually the team that plays on Tuesday will then play on Thursday, and the team that plays on Wednesday will play on Friday. Both play-in games play on Friday. So the team that wins tonight gets an extra day's rest than normal years. Not that that means a whole lot, but just if you're looking at the tournament. Um, that is sort of weird, though. You're right. It, you, you, I don't know if that's ever happened before. I can't remember a yeah, time. Yeah, I can't I remember back. either. That's interesting. Usually, Go ahead, please. But, uh, but both play-ins happen on Friday. Um, so tonight's game, Pitt-Mississippi State, kind of an interesting game, only because, like you said, the winner would then play Iowa State. Winner could potentially face Xavier on Sunday afternoon. Um, this is a weird matchup because Pitt is a team that – has at times this year been able to score, but they're in a down ACC, a really bad ACC. Pitt competed for the ACC regular season title. They got off to kind of a bad start this year, and then from there rallied in the ACC play. Problem is they didn't close very strong. They lost three of their last five games. The only two wins in there were to Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Uh, Both of those teams, not very good. The bottom of a bad ACC. They lost to Notre Dame by seven. Uh, but they also have some big wins. They beat Miami, 
you know, North Carolina is not maybe the, the most marquee win, but they do have a win at North Carolina. Um, you know, they, they beat Virginia. They have some wins Those there. are two nice wins, Miami and Virginia. Yeah. I don't think Virginia's any great thing, and neither's Miami, but they're two rock-solid teams. No, that's you're absolutely right. And they lost then to Miami um, in the regular season finale. Then on the flip side of that, you have Mississippi State, who – I heard a pretty good description of Mississippi State. They are a poor man's Iowa State. So if if Mississippi State and what Iowa... What does that mean, do you think? Slow it down, grind yeah, it they, out? They, they both play one of the slowest tempos in the country. They are both elite defensive teams, and neither team can score. But Mississippi State can't score worse than Iowa State can't score. Gotcha. So if Mississippi State and Iowa State play each other, it's going to be like a... 50 to 45 game yeah and uh you're gonna see like 61 possessions in that game and it's just gonna be grind you down so this game tonight honestly is probably a little more aesthetically pleasing than the potential mississippi state iowa state game would be on friday afternoon at three o'clock that would be after xavier finishes um so i think a pit if you're just looking at like fun matchups in the NCAA tournament you're probably rooting for pit here just because they would at least pose a different problem to Iowa State than uh, Mississippi State would. I don't think either of these teams beat Iowa State, but Pitt would at least give Iowa State more of an issue because if you're Mississippi State, you're not going to beat Iowa State at their own game unless you just literally play the game in the 40s and you hope that, like we've always talked about, you get into that low possession game and then you just hope that maybe you have the ball on the you know yeah. you have the ball with 30 seconds left in the tie game and you make the shot like that's kind of what you're going at here for Mississippi State but they finished 21 and 12 they had a better close to the season than Iowa or than uh, Pitt did but they still lost to Vanderbilt and Missouri um their two of their last four games they did have that win over Texas A&M which is nice they beat Missouri they beat TCU um in the SEC Big 12 or SEC Big 12 challenge um, that was a great win for Mississippi State. That was an overtime at home. Um, but then they lost to Alabama, got absolutely torched by Alabama in the SEC quarterfinals on Friday, 72-49. to 49. And that, Tom, goes back to where I say yeah. they, they cannot score the basketball. They are quite literally the worst team in all of college basketball shooting the three. Um, so don't expect a whole lot of points tonight. I don't even know what the total is. But whatever it is, you're probably you're probably leaning the under there. I'll tell you what I what I hear, and and I've watched a little bit of Mississippi State. I, I just sit to my sit here and say to myself when I think about this first four, the one team that jumps off the off the map to me, and I, and I know there's more than one. I, I get it. You know, you can talk about Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt played very well at the end of the year. Neither one of those teams made the tournament. But I, I got to tell you, the team to me that got a, a total raw deal, and maybe you could argue numbers, analytics, that kind of thing. But I thought Rutgers really got a raw deal on this thing. I mean, I look at some of the teams they beat over the course of the year that are playing in the NCAA tournament. They beat Purdue, okay? They beat Purdue at Purdue, I might add. They also had a win over Indiana. They, um, yes, they lost to Miami, but they had wins over tournament teams. Maryland is in the tournament. They beat Maryland. Um, they beat Penn State. They beat Northwestern. 
Um, you know, I, I just sit there and I think to my state, beat Michigan State, who's also in a tournament. If they would have I mean, I, I think Rutgers got jobbed on this deal, especially con- compared to Mississippi State and Pitt, who play in far less strenuous conferences than the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from there. I think if they would have advanced ahead of further into the, the Big Ten tournament, I mean, they, they won their first game against Michigan, right? But they played yeah. Purdue then, better than anybody in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, they lost by five on a game that went down to the final minute of the game. That's true. Um, right. the, the one thing that I will say about Rutgers is they, they have two losses that stick out. One is to Minnesota. You can't lose to Minnesota. And they have a loss to Temple. That's a bad loss. Those are two really bad losses. And the other thing, Tom, which is actually – Kind of wild to think about. Rutgers has a loss to Seton Hall. The score of that game was 45-43. to 43. Grinder. Low-scoring yeah. game. Seton Hall, because they lost to DePaul in the uh, Big East quarterfinal. or uh, No, that was the first round. That was, that was, first that round was on game, Wednesday yeah. night. Remember that game? Seton Hall goes up for the layup right at the end. Nick Ungenda from uh, DePaul comes, blocks the ball away. DePaul wins that game. If Nick Ungenda is not there and he makes that layup and Seton Hall wins that game. You mean, you mean, um, yes, yeah. If DePaul's guy is not there, yeah. Seton Hall makes that layup and Seton Hall wins that game, they stay as a quad two game for Rutgers. That stays as a quad two loss. But because they lost to DePaul, Seton Hall dropped to a quad three loss, which when you're splitting hairs there yeah, right yeah, at the end. Yep. Yeah. So it, Maybe you blame DePaul for the downfall of Rutgers there for not getting in the tournament because when you what a twist when when you talk about how the just the a margin a for error the, yep. the the razor thin margin for error and adding one <coughs> excuse me adding one quad three loss to your resume that block at the end of that game at MSG at the very last second of a game at the end of the season potentially could have been something. That shifted the scales, um, you know, just when you're really, really getting into the weeds of it. Um, uh, that, that is just kind of a funny butterfly effect to look at. I, I, I do see your, your Rutgers argument. I personally would have had Rutgers in the field, but I don't think that I can sit here and make a solid argument to say that, uh, you know, they deserved it over whoever, Nevada maybe. I think Nevada was actually the team that most people – um, more so than Pitt or Mississippi State. Nevada was actually the yeah. team. Yeah. Come on. League they play in. Come on. Come on. Uh, now, Mississippi State beat Marquette. But again, you they know, these, it's like the Seton Hall loss for Rutgers. That was really early in the year. Yeah. You're talking November. I mean, you know, and, and that's back when we've talked about this with Marquette many times. They were picked by the coaches to finish ninth in the Big East this year. So when they lose a game to Mississippi State on November the 21st, 58-55, to everybody's like, okay. I mean, it's, it's not a big, huge surprise. I mean, nobody's thinking Marquette's going to be anything. But I start going through Mississippi State, and I'm, I, I, I'm looking now for anybody they beat. You said TCU. TCU had two guys miss that game. I watched that game on television I mean, you go through the rest of the year, they got a win against Missouri. Okay, Missouri's had a decent year. Um, 
They lose to Kentucky at home, and Kentucky's no great shakes. I don't think A&M's all any great shakes. Um, so, you know, Vanderbilt beat them near the end of the year. That's another team that could have made an argument for being in, especially the way they finished. I don't know. I think Rutgers would, would, would hammer Mississippi State and hammer Pitt, but I could be wrong. All right. But we'll never know. That's the beauty of life. We will just never know. But what we do know is, is that uh, kind enough to join us today, Rick Broering, we mentioned he is the radio analyst for the Norse. We love the Norse here. Uh, alongside Jim Kelch, and he's also the publisher of Musketeer Report. So he's dialed in on both teams that are headed for the NCAA tournament from right here in greater Cincinnati and northern Kentucky. Rick, thanks for the time today. Are you heading out of town today with NKU? That's right. Jim Kelch and I are headed up to Truist Arena here in about 30 minutes to join the team bus and, and then the charter flight out to Birmingham. All right, I won't keep you long. Look, everybody and his brother, nobody's given NKU a chance. Why do they have a chance? Well, let's start with the obvious. How how healthy is Marcus Sasser's groin? That's the big storyline, right? I mean, that's their go-to guy. He's one of their top defenders out there. I think that's the biggest question mark right now is that right there. Also, Tom, I don't think I need to remind you with you being such a Norse fan, NKU's undefeated against the American Athletic Conference this year. That's exactly right. They beat UC. There's no doubt about it. That was a huge win uh, for the Norse this season. They got them off and running. And uh, but you know they did, we've had we, we we've had coach on Coach Horn many times uh, this year, and so grateful for it. But 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 you know at least right now, Rick, and when you win a conference tournament, I mean everybody can say, well, you're playing good basketball to get in the NCAA tournament. But but they the last three, four, five weeks, they are really playing well. They've got to feel good about where they are and how they're playing right now. If Sasser's not in, if Sasser isn't, what needs to happen for them to have a chance in this game? Well, to your point about them playing their best basketball here at the end of the year, I think the biggest thing that made a difference from a month and a half, two months ago to now is all the support that Marquez work has been getting on the offensive end from some of the secondary guys. He's their go-to guy. There's no doubt about it. But when you get Sam Vincent scoring, Trey Robinson pitches in, Trayvon Faulkner is knocking down some big shots and giving you big plays in transition. And let's not forget about the point guard, Xavier Rhodes, who made some crucial plays in the semifinals and finals of the Horizon League tournament. They have really gotten some great production out of some of those other guys aside from just Warwick. And I think that's definitely going to be needed here against Houston if they're going to have any chance in this one. Well, you know, Houston loves to bang the boards. They're a defensive-minded team. Grind And listen, uh, the big fellow's done a great job for you guys this year. I mean, this yeah, guy, Brandon. in terms of getting on the offensive glass, he's as good as anybody in the country that I've seen. Well, he really is, and he's going to be so key in this matchup because Houston has the one-and-done freshman, Jarris Walker, who's 6'8", 240 pounds, skilled, can do a little bit of everything on the offensive end. That's going to be a really big matchup for Chris Brandon. And obviously, NKU plays a matchup zone, so it's not one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. but he's going to have a big responsibility on his shoulders for slowing down Walker inside. All right, uh, shift gears very quickly. I know you got to go to Xavier. Um, they, they play very well their first couple of games in the, uh, well, they got by DePaul and then they played well, very well, uh, in beating Creighton. Then they get mauled by, um, Marquette. How do you feel about their chances going into this tournament? There are some people see him going to the final four Clark Kellogg saw that there are other people that have them getting bounced in the second round against Iowa state. Where do you think they are? 
I've been pretty consistent on this for a few months now that I think this is a team with the potential to get to the second weekend of the tournament. After that, all bets are off. I mean, once you're into the Sweet 16, that goes for almost any team that who knows what's going to happen after that because it's so matchup dependent. And in a one-game scenario, you can catch a team on the wrong night who's shooting hot and you're going to have issues. So for this Xavier team, I think the big thing that they showed in the Big East tournament is that they still have a high ceiling even without Zach Fremantle. If you're able to beat that Creighton team the way they beat Creighton in the semifinals, you've got a chance to play with anyone in the country. And um, with, to, to do what they did without Zach Fremantle, if I were a Xavier fan, that would give me a lot of hope going into the postseason. All right, if they win the first game, last question. Who, who, would you, who do you think would fit Xavier to have a better chance of winning in that next game. Iowa State's been through a rugged Big 12 season. They've had a lot of big wins. They've had, you know, they've tailed off here near near the end. Mississippi State and Pitt will be the opponent. Any one of the three that you say to yourself or two of the three, you know, I like their chances better against well, definitely Pitt is the matchup that I'd be looking for if I were a Xavier fan. The reason for that is Pitt is it's kind of similar to Xavier in the sense that they're offensive-minded, but they're not an elite offense like Xavier. They're a pretty good offense, and they're bad defensively, really bad. So uh, a team like that that wants to get out and score and run a little bit with Xavier, but they're not an elite offense, they're going to get ran out of the gym, in my opinion. That could be a 100 to 85 or 90 type game, potentially. So uh, I think Pitt is definitely the matchup I'd be looking for, but really, any of those three would seem to be pretty favorable matchups for this Xavier team right now. I think they got a really good draw, Tom. All right. Hey, Rick, safe travels. Godspeed ahead. We really appreciate your time today, and hopefully we'll be checking in uh, with you after uh, NKU and Xavier wins. Starting this Thanks, week. Tom. I really appreciate having me on, and I enjoy the show. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it very, very much. Kind enough to join us, Rick Boring. I mean, he is – we talk about dialed in. We said the same thing with Brian Billick a little while ago. Paul, you've known Rick a long, long time. I mean – he, he's got it all covered. You want to know what's happening with either school. He, he's your guy. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, Rick and I have done a podcast for years together. Uh, I mean, he's been covering Xavier for well, I mean, probably, what, 15 years now? So, um, And he went to NKU, and now he's on the broadcast. He's, he's got everything around the area. So is said, he the there. kind of guy, if he's not doing a, uh, an NKU game on radio or traveling with a team, yeah. is he the kind of guy that, that all of a sudden he'll, he'll be down at the Centos Center when X is playing? Yeah, so his priority, obviously, is the NKU radio yeah. broadcast. But when there's no conflict, he does go to cover the game as media at Xavier. So gotcha. he's there either way. All right, Ham and Eggers, I'm going to throw it to you. we got lots to talk about today. we got Tracy Jones coming up in a little less than an hour. But we got to get into this whole tournament thing. Uh, you know, some of the questions. Sasser, it looks like Bill Self is going to be back. Yeah, that's uh, Coaching along the sideline. That's great stuff for Kansas. So, Mr. President, the Ham and Eggers, here we go. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Casey, before I get into things, you feeling okay today? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Just in general? Just checking in. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. How about you? We're okay. NCAA tournament starts tonight. We're great. We're good. You know why I'm good? It's because I have some Pawnee water in front of me. It's a new premium alkaline water. Pawnee. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. 
Visit their website at pawneywater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Also, we talked about the Bengals. We are going to get much more into the Bengals, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, all of that here in just a minute. But we talked about it a little bit already, and that is brought to you by Encore Technologies. The Bengals Report brought to you by Encore Technologies, who provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. One of these days, I'm going to catch you off guard. One of these days, you're going to be fixing a camera, going to be doing something. Maybe you won't. I'll never miss again. Maybe you won't. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Drink Pawnee water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Bedfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. So that is all the business on my end, Casey. Is there any business on your end that we need to take care of? Um, hmm. Let me think about that. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything... Um, on my end that we need to really discuss. Um, I will say that when we, uh, just before we get into some of the Bengals stuff, if there's anyone out there that is worried about the Bengals and what they're going to do, it's fine. We're in, we're into day two. Here we are. That's what I, that's what I like to hear. We're into day two. We're talking people off the ledge here. The Bengals. Casey. Hey, listen, if you ever want to get, if you ever want to get off the ledge when it comes to the Bengals, just listen to Casey McAllister. If you ever want to get off the ledge when it comes to Xavier men's basketball or any other Xavier sport for that matter, you just talk to Paul Fritchner and you're good. That's all you need. Me and Paul for Xavier Bengals. I got to tell you, Casey, I'm really, really surprised that you're not a little more um, up in arms about this Von Bell thing. I got to tell you, I am. I asked the question, is it the first misstep of free agency? And here's the thing. We were talking about this beforehand. I am amazed at how many people that do not sit in the, you know, the, 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 the power broker's room, Okay. And it doesn't mean to say you can't have a great opinion or a great take by not sitting in that room. Okay? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I heard somebody make the, you know, the case years ago. Somebody said something stupid like, well, you've never been president. You can't criticize a president. Really? I mean, come on. Right? If whoever's in the White House is doing a crappy job, you have every right in the world to write about it and have an opinion on it. You're entitled to do that. But I'm amazed by some of the people that are coming out and sort of just, you know, brushing it off that Von Bell and Jesse Bates are gone. When Lou Anarumo makes a comment at the Combine, he was asked the question point blank because both players were entering free agency. And apparently, and I can't dive into the X's and O's of a defensive coordinator that's way above my pay scale, okay? So I'm going to defer to the guy who knows all about the X's and O's. But by all accounts, the Bengals ask more of their safeties in their scheme than perhaps any team in the National Football League. Okay, that's what I've heard. That's what I've been told. That's what I read 
I'll believe it. And when Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, was asked the question about Bell and Bates not being on his defense for this coming season, in one of the strongest comments I have ever heard a coach, because most of it is straight coach speak, boring, blah, vanilla, why am I even interviewing this guy kind of stuff. He says, it would be one of my darkest days. That's from the defensive coordinator. So to now have all these guys on Twitter and on whatever it is, oh, they're fine, no big deal. Well, maybe they will be fine. I'm not going to say they're not going to be fine. I went up and did a little digging early this morning about youth in the secondary. Now, no one's ever going to do what the San Francisco 49ers did in 1981. No one will ever do that. What did they do? They had four rookies in their secondary that won a Super Bowl, led by perhaps the greatest safety of all time in Ronnie Lott, a guy who cut his finger off in the middle of a game. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs last year drafted four players in the secondary. They had two rookies that got a lot of playing time in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. But their defense under Steve Spagnola is a very different kind of defense than Lou Anarumo's play. So what I'm getting at is, Casey, you are one of these guys. At least it strikes me on the surface as being, oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. Not worried about it. Um, Yay or nay? Is I mean, that you or are we putting on, without putting on, the orange-colored glasses? I think there's bigger fish to fry. That's what I – that's where I'm kind of coming from when I'm saying that safety is not the biggest issue here. They don't have a single tight end on the roster yet. You'd think they would have gotten somebody. Like, that is a very key need, in my opinion, a very underrated need. Um, and quite clearly, they don't, they didn't think that offensive tackle was a primary issue to address early on. So now we're looking at, you know, filling guys here and there for those positions. Maybe not so much tight end. There's still plenty of guys that star talent there at that position. But at safety, when you look at – if you were to look at Von Bell before he came to the Bengals, um, I think you would have said something to the degree of, yeah, he's about an average player. You know, he's a good depth guy. Um you know, he, he, he had a very mild career in New Orleans, was known as a thumper, box guy. He comes to Cincinnati with a guy beside him in Jesse Bates that allowed him to be able to play more aggressive, play in the box, allowed him to let Jesse Bates go sideline to sideline. 
You know what I mean? Like there, there was a, uh, a relationship there that allowed him to play a lot better than what I think he would have played at other teams. So I'm not necessarily upset that he's gone or that we didn't re-sign him. He's older, 28. That's just not the Bengals' MO anymore. They sign younger guys. Yes, they do. And I think a lot of the production is from the safety position is because the two of uh, the tandem there. And if you're not going to keep one, you might as well rethink how you play that position anyways on your defense and restart because I don't think Bell would have been the same guy without Bates. I don't. I think you would have seen a, a, a step back because there's just not a guy, at least that we know of right now. We don't know what Dax Hill is going to be, but we don't know if he's capable of going sideline to sideline and stretching the field like Bates was. Now, I think Dax Hill play style fits more the bill of Von Bell. But he's a smaller guy. He's like 195 and six foot, whereas Bell was 215. You know, he, he's a he's thicker an guy. Yeah. yeah. So I am worried in the sense of whatever guy they do decide to go fill, it's probably best for them to get a guy that can do both. A guy that can come down in the box and a guy that can go sideline to sideline, or, you know, your free safety, the guy that plays deep most of the time. you got to get a guy that can do both. And for the Bengals right now, there's just not very many options like that in free agency. So I'm just – I've put that notion to the side. They've got a guy that's been in the backfield for a long time, and Michael Thomas, to kind of bring up guys to speed. And the one thing that I feel like is very underrated – is Tyson Anderson playing Von Bell's role? Same build, better athlete. He and was a if, guy they drafted a year ago, and he never got on the field. He had a hamstring injury and never played a game, not one down. Right. I mean, I I I know what you're saying, but no, I'm the, not, no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying that's the, those are the facts. He didn't play all year last year because he was hurt. Yeah, and if. I mean, he he just never saw the field because Von Bell, Bates are taking up 95% of the snaps to begin with. And then you got Dax Hill who came in every once in a while. And you got guys like Michael Thomas that were veteran guys that you'd rather plug in there. Or you got guys like, um, I can't think of the, the corner right now off the top of my head. that uh, For the Bengals? Yeah. Aruzier? Hilton? No, no, no. Uh he usually came in to cover the tight ends. I oh, uh, Flowers? Flowers. Trey Flowers was in that box corner. And he's back. Role, and he's back. So, I mean, I'm – that's why he didn't get on the field. But the measurables there for Tyson Anderson, like he's an athlete. So you're not worried about that necessarily. You're more worried about does he have it mentally. And the way that Lou Anarumo works and is operated – he gets guys up to speed on his defense. And sometimes it takes a guy a year to sit and learn the defense. So I'm not necessarily hitting the panic button when it comes to Von Bell leaving. I am more worried about just the fact that you're creating a, a problem that needs to be addressed if you don't answer it soon. 
So what I mean by that is they're going to have to spend a draft pick to fill in more depth there if they don't sign a guy. And honestly, there's there's a lot of guys out there that you can get cheap that maybe not play as well as Bell, but fill the, the role good enough. And you're banking on Dax Hill being the next Jesse Bates, well, in my opinion. Well, I don't think you're banking on a guy being the next Von Bell. Uh, if you're wondering about Anderson, he was a fifth-round pick. And again, he was hurt all year last year. He did not play a single down in the NFL. Not one. Uh, he's an athlete, as uh, Casey points out. This guy ran a 4-3-40 at the NFL Combine. He was a five-year player at Toledo in the Mid-American Conference. Most of the guys who play for the Bengals uh, are team captains of their collegiate teams, and that's exactly what he was, a team captain. Casey, I got to ask you here. Lou Anarumo gave the whole dark day deal. Yep. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, <laughs> 10 being <laughs> the, tank. the tank, 1 being everything's peachy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Which is it, Casey? Five being, like, ugh. All right, so real quick, before he answers that question now, okay, do you mean, before you go any further, I want to make sure we clarify, because I'd like to add to this question, unless you just want to stay. Are you you asking him this question as it pertains to just the safety position? Or the Bengals as a whole? Well, the defense as a whole. Okay, let's start, let's start with the defense as a whole because I have a follow-up to that question along the same lines. But the defense as a whole, you have a Wouzier coming back from an ACL. You talk about the Bengals like youth. Mike Hilton's a little older, right? Flowers coming off an injury, the guy just talked about. Can he get on the field, right? No Eli Apple anymore. So gone from the secondary last year are three starters in that secondary. Apple, Bates, Bell. How are we looking? Ten, one, somewhere in the middle. Ten is your darkest day. It's your dark day. I mean, it's like on a beautiful sunny day, but all you see around you is pitch black. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Or one, those beautiful blue skies. Nothing but sunshine. You know, I am probably hovering around a six. Wow. I'm hovering around a six because... I am shocked. Because I, I do think they will be missed a lot. I think they're going to they're, they're gonna miss Bates and Bell together a lot. Um, that was probably the best safety tandem, most underrated safety tandem in the league. Um, but I do believe, however, that one could not survive without the other. I, I think separate, they might more, more Bell than, than Bates, but I think Bell will struggle a lot more without Bates. I think Bates was a special guy. Um, the price tag for Bates was just too much. Um, that I, I knew, I knew they couldn't get that done. So what I'm hoping and that's at 10 is there's no hope for me. That's the darkest day is that there's no hope. The hope for me is that Dax Hill plays at a level 
that is either my my greatest hope is that he's in between Bell and Bates. That's my greatest hope. And I don't think we can ask much more out of Dax Hill. And then you're hoping that you either get some solid depth there at the other spot or or you take a chance at the athlete that you drafted fifth over in the fifth round and trade it up to go get him. It's not like, you know, he just fell and nobody wanted him. The Bengals went up and got him. They they yes, love they, they love the profile that he yep. that he has. And let's be real here. I mean, they could theoretically put Cam Taylor Britt back there too. And then Yes, they could. Then you're looking at maybe just worrying about the corners, which no one's picked up Eli Apple yet. And no one everyone's gonna be like, oh Eli Apple, but the dude was solid as a third string corner. And he knows the system. And you can get him cheap. I think you could easily make an argument that you could draft a guy in the third or second round, either at safety or corner, and be fine. And mm-hmm. Right. I I think I think that's what they'll end up doing is they'll just wait till the later rounds. They'll wait till day two to get a guy in the in the corner position or the safety spot. Okay, now I'm going to take this to another level entirely. Yep, we're going to go the macro view now. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a big word, macro. Okay. Yep. I like what you did there. Maybe not. Maybe not that big. Uh, well, it's only five letters, but it, on you know, it, it sounds smart. I heard somebody use that word, and so now I use it like every third sentence. I mean, macro is a big word. It is. It is. Um, now let's take into account the defense, which I just talked about. You're, in essence, down three starters. Apple, Bell, Bates. For a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl. Not trying to win a division. Their goal is to win the Super Bowl. They have the talent to do it. Now you throw in major question marks at your tackle positions, both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Huge questions. You throw in the fact that you don't have a single tight end on the roster. Not one. Okay? None. N-U-N, none. If they have the tight ends meeting right now down at Paycor, nobody shows. Yeah. Okay? They have a running back in Mixon that most people feel like his, his contract is going to either be altered or if he doesn't go for that, he's gone. Samaj P. Ryan is a free agent. So it's, it's, it's again, potentially... You could be looking in a handful of days from now or a month from now where you have that meeting in the running back's room and nobody shows up. At least guys that have been big contributors. So knowing what we know about the defense, knowing what we know about tight end, knowing what we know about the running back's room, and knowing what we know about the offensive line, which is the single biggest question mark of this team. Ten is your darkest day. To quote the great philosopher Lou Anarumo, <laughs> one is your bright, sunny Carolina blue skies when North Carolina used to be good at basketball. Which of those, where are you sitting in that spectrum? 
I am on the offense. No, the, whole, the whole team. team. Um, I am at – I was at a six on the defense. As a whole, I'm probably at a seven and a half as a whole or maybe eight, which is really – it's getting it's getting to a point where the reason why I'm now make so – sure Now, make sure I want to make sure you understand this yeah. and I understand it. We're on the same page. Yes. So now when you go to seven or eight, you're really moving closer and closer into Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat territory. Yeah, I'm. I won't lie. I'm very nervous. I'm, I'm extremely nervous, and there's a reason why I'm leaning more towards the seven and a half than maybe a five, and that's because I was already feeling helpless about the tackle situation in general because the Bengals are stuck at left tackle with Jonah Williams. They are at, stuck at left tackle with Jonah Williams. That and, is the perfect word. And they. There's no way to get around it unless they find some schmuck to, to trade Jonah Williams to. Did you just say schmuck? Yes, some schmuck because that's what they would be if they decided to trade for Jonah Williams. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea, the, grand, the best thing that could happen to the Bengals is that they could trade Jonah Williams. 100% because that takes $12 million off your books. You go and get Orlando Brown, and then you go draft DeJuan Jones, boom, fixed. Done. You have the perfect offseason because you just got the two biggest tackles in the NFL. You probably have the biggest offensive line in all football, and nobody is going to be touching Joe Burrow if that happens. 100%. But that's not going to happen because they have Jonah Williams – on his fifth-year option that they decided And I'm going to say, I'm not going to totally throw in the towel yet on Jonah Williams. I'm not. I'm not. He is I don't put him in that turnstile category. He was borderline for a while last year, but he got his knee fixed. That, you would think, is no longer going to be an issue. He had the dislocated kneecap twice. The first time, he didn't miss a snap. The guy cares. He's a gamer, Right. Oh no! So maybe I, in this his to... last year of his, you know, uh, of the fifth year option deal, you might get a player who now five years, fifth year in, maybe you get the best you're going to get out of Jonah Williams. I think that's possible. Paul, are you as shocked as I am? Well, now we have all kinds. By the way, do you know the definition of a schmuck? I've been called a schmuck. Oh, by who? A lot of people. A lot. Person who's unlikable, contemptible, because he's stupid, foolish, clumsy, oafish, inept, malicious, or unpleasant. <laughs> well, that's your definition that, of schmuck. That's what everybody in that said fandom would call their GM if that happened. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's never going to happen, right? I mean, I have lost a lot of hope. I had a lot of hope early on with Jonah Williams because. I thought, you know, just rookie struggles. Then I thought sophomore slump. Then it was, well, our whole offensive line was bad. Then this year rolls around, and it's like, man, we had we upgraded in a lot of spots, and he, he just gets worse and worse and worse every year. Every year he's gotten worse. And it's really tough knowing that the reason why you got him 
at number nine, I think is what it, we picked him at, was because he was this technically sound tackle. Didn't matter about his measurables because he was just so great technically that people just didn't beat him at the line due to due to technicality. It was due to just pure athleticism. Good footwork, et right. cetera, et cetera. And he has just progressively gotten worse and worse at that. Boy. And it's shown up on, on film. It's shown up just in games in general. And it's like he, he's not the right size at left tackle. He's got shorter arms. So you've so thrown the towel on the guy. I mean, you're DUN. You're done. I mean, I'm done with him. You're at left. done. I'm done with him at left tackle. Okay. All right. I, well, I would, they're saying they're not going to move into right tackle. Now, that could change, and Jonah Williams has always been a team-first guy. Um, Paul, are you uh, on the same uh, I'm just floored. Level? I'm <laughs> floored here. I expect Casey to be my beacon of light and my hope when it comes to all these situations, well, and now you're, you're selling me on this seven-and-a-half or eight deal. Well, I don't know nearly as much as why... you do, and when you come out here swinging with an eight, we got issues, Hold on, hold on, hold on. The reason why it's not I a 10 is because there there, is Paul, hope. I'm with you, I'm in shock. The reason why it's not a 10 is because there is hope. Most Dude, people, if you're most sitting people, on it. Most people are already at the 10 level. Most people are already at the They're not. A, we got people here in the chat, and I was going to acknowledge them, and I respect their opinion. I mean, we've got uh, one guy who, where is he? Uh, he made the comment. I, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time finding it. Cause I'd like you name you by name because it's a valid point. He says, everybody just chill. It's a very start of free agency. So just chill. That is a fair point. I don't think anybody's going off the reservation here as far as banging the Bengals, but this is what's happening so far. That's Adam. So Adam, thank you very much. I, I finally found it. Zachary says Jamal Williams is coming to Cincinnati of the Detroit Lions. So that helps you in the running back room. Uh, William asked a question. Uh, somebody said, is Tom uh, saying that uh, there's no chance for the team to sign Eli Apple? No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, if I were a betting man, I'd bet Eli Apple is back with the Bengals this coming year. I think he's more valuable to them than he is uh for other teams boom shakalaka joined by paul fritchner says i'm not even close to thinking about the nfl my mind is on the ncaa basketball tournament i'm just shocked here that we get all of this that we got that reaction from you casey i thought you would have been oh little, no i'm not i'm not hitting the panic button though if i was hitting the panic button i'd be at a 10 seven and a half is me not panicking i'm nervous but well, maybe I'm just over-exaggerating the number. I guess I'm at a five then. I don't know. I no, mean, no, like, no. Stick I, I with it. Stick with your take, Casey. Seven Stick with your take. Like, if they don't do anything today, that goes up to like an eight. If they don't do anything the next day, it's going to go up to eight and a half. Oh, because... Lord. Mm. Oh, God. We're going to have to I'm spend just... six months talking you off the ledge. Well, there's the draft and whatnot. But That's right. We've got about I, a two-month window here. For the, <laughs> reason, the reason why, for me, it's so big is because, one, I feel hopeless about the left tackle spot, and I didn't even really mention this. I'm not really too too concerned about the defense. I think Lou can figure it out. But there's zero <laughs> tight end help. And we have $28 million left in free agency, and they have not signed a guy yet. And the tight end market 
is really high right now. Okay, Do but you... they did say everybody who covers this team, uh, everybody across the board, said pretty much, and, and it's, it, we haven't officially hit the free agency thing yet, okay, uh, until tomorrow officially. Um, but everybody said this wasn't going to be like the last two years. Where two years ago, they go out and they overhaul the defense. They bring in Awuzie. They bring in Hilton. They bring in Von Bell. They bring in Trey Hendrickson. They bring in DJ Reader. They bring in all these guys. Uh, BJ Hill in a trade. They bring in all these guys and spend a pile of cash. Last year, I mean, before uh, midnight even came, they had deals with Kappa and Karras. Shortly thereafter with Lyle Collins. So they... they they were all in on the big money, big ticket guys each of the last two years. Everybody said that was not going to happen this year because you knew the contracts that have to be addressed starting with Joe Burrow. Now, no movement on that, but I, for all I know, they're meeting right now. I have no clue. Um, but, you know, look, as somebody aptly pointed out in the chat as well, we've talked about on the show many, many times. Um, when you know these other guys are coming up for big money, you don't have to do, you know you're going to have all three receivers for this year. Your quarterback's back. Chase is back. You can negotiate a long-term deal for Higgins if you choose. You don't have to. He can still play the final year of his rookie deal. Right? You don't have to tag him. Nothing. Tyler Boyd is in the final year of his contract. So, if, you know, if you want to keep some of these guys around, we've said it all along, and this isn't brain surgery, this part of it. Somebody's got to go. And right out of the gate, goodbye to Jesse Bates, goodbye to Von Bell. Jermaine Pratt is back. I'm excited about that. I Solid player. I didn't really talk about the excitement about Pratt because – I had pretty much said he's, you know, in my mind, he was gone already. He, he was far really? gone. Yeah. And not only did we get to keep him, we got him at a contract that I thought was very team-friendly. Three years for $21 million. The first year is $10 million, so that, that we, it's money up front. And then the next two seasons, he's getting paid, I think it's like $7 million, something like that, $6 million. So... Yeah, I'm very happy about that. Um, was not expecting him to come back. And in in the Bengals' mind, it makes sense because they, as of recently, have been really focused in on future problems and worrying about what's going to happen when Bates leaves to go get Dax Hill. If you look at next year, Logan Wilson. I wouldn't sign him. And And – Akeem Davis Gaither, like they're going to lose a lot of depth at linebacker. So you've got to have a guy, at least on contract, on paper, that can. Yeah. If know. I were Logan Wilson and there was a lot of talk about him signing and getting a big, long extension, and maybe he will. We'll find out. They don't have to do anything about it now. But if I were him after they just signed Pratt, I'd be wondering what are my chances of getting a long-term deal because you're not tying up tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars on two linebackers. No. You're not doing it. No. All right. Um, okay, let's shift gears real quick to the NCAA tournament. Um, Paul, you're going to Dayton. 
I am. I'm going to Dayton and I'll be in Greensboro. So it's good. It's a busy week. Not sure really what's going on with Greensboro yet. I think I, I will be here tomorrow and then uh, I'll be on the show tomorrow and then I will be available Thursday and Friday, depending. Actually, no, Thursday we're doing the show remotely. Yeah, what was the deal on that? I never, I uh, was in the car and I was all tied up with stuff with the kids. What, what, what's going on? So I, I think the plan right now is to do the uh, Thursday show live. We will do this show live or Casey will be here. Reed will be in my chair Thursday from the Buffalo Wings and Rings over, um, I think the one where we do the Firebirds show. Is that right, Casey? I think so. Yeah, the one over um, over in Liberty. Really? Yeah. So that's the plan. As so we're doing now. it plan. I mean, I, this isn't set in stone yet. We'll know for sure later or maybe tomorrow. But the plan is this show remotely same time. Are we changing the time? Any word Chang on that, Casey? Changing the time. I think we're starting an hour earlier. Or, uh, I'm sorry, later. I have 11, or maybe it's 10.30, and then we go to... Yeah, because the tip-off of the first game is at 12.15. Right. So I think the idea would be to lead in right into the tip-off of the first game. So we start around 10.15, end around 12.15. Yeah, something like that. Um, it, it is, I'm looking in the chat, Sean Spurlock, Reed Mouse, both uh, confirming that one. The Buffalo Wings and Rings on 7.47. That's where we'll be on Thursday. Um, and we will do the we will do the show live from there, ten thirty to twelve fifteen. So will people be drinking that early in the morning? Do they serve beer at ten o'clock in the morning? Now when's first call? Doors open. Get on the train, Tom. Oh wait, no, you can't. Never mind. I'm That's sorry. Right. I'm off the train. Not to not to. Get I'll back have to a that. couple of zero point zeros. Sure. But just to hang out and meet with uh, so many who are kind enough to join our show. Every single day. Who's coming? Who's coming out there? Uh, anybody in the chat? Um, we'll find out. We'll find out if anybody's. Um... Uh, yeah. So and then the plan is from there that we will stay and watch the first session of the games, which actually the the, the Thursday, if, if you want to rank like the sessions of, you know, Thursday afternoon, early afternoon. Yeah, what games are on that time, Paul? So so I, I will run through it here. Let me pull it up real quick. So this um, is for our show remote on Thursday, day yeah. after tomorrow, Thursday. I, I think the Buffalo, I mean, um, Wings and Rings. Yes. Okay. The idea is to also stream the show, but that's more up Casey's alley. I don't know 100% if we're going to be able to stream the show or not, too. Casey, you might have Yes, a... we're, we're, we are streaming it. Okay, we are streaming it. All right, so looking at, um, looking at the schedule here, uh, the, the Thursday games are very good. The Thursday night, night games, like the, the last tips on Thursday, aren't very good. But here's how the tournament gets started. Maryland and West Virginia... That's an 8-9 game. That's a big league game. Listen to this Thursday early afternoon. Maryland and West Virginia, that's the very first game on CBS. That's Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, Tracy Wolfson. The A, the a crew getting the tournament started at 12-15. 12-40 is Furman in Virginia. A ton of – Furman is a popular upset pick. That's a 13-4 game. That's a 12-40. Then an hour later at 1.40, it's Utah State and Missouri. Utah State is an incredibly fun team to watch. They are they go out there, they shoot threes. They're you sold me on the first two. Yeah. Eh, go ahead. I'm telling you, Utah State, Missouri, that's going to be a great game. Then you kind of get a little bit. Howard and Kansas tip off right in there around 2 o'clock. Then 
it's another one seed game before you get into that late afternoon. Right. Three o'clock would be Car- College of Charleston, Pat Kelsey, Charleston playing San Diego State. Big time game. That's a huge game. That's a good game. 4-10, eh, Princeton and Arizona before 4-30, the last afternoon game, Illinois and Arkansas. My guess would be... That's a good game. Yeah, Illinois and Arkansas. My guess would be, I'm not, I don't want to speak for these guys since the since they'll be the ones there. My guess would be that um, the, the Chatterbox crew probably sticks around for the end of that Utah State-Missouri game, which would be right around 4 o'clock-ish. I'm going to stay through the first game. Okay. The West Virginia game. Maryland and we're West going Virginia. off the air when that comes on. And, and I've said I'm solo this week with our son. So, I, I mean, I'm responsible every night for everything that everybody else is responsible for every night if you got kids at home. Sure, absolutely. So, so yeah, so the Thursday early afternoon is, is a really good one. And then the Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night, late night is eh, UCLA, UNC Asheville is the last one to tip off. I mean, there's Penn State and Texas A&M is on Thursday, but um, there's nothing really crazy. Uh, NKU and Houston does play. They play at 920. Um, but Friday then also, I mean, Friday is kind of the same way, getting started early, USC, Michigan State. Xavier actually plays at 1240 on, on Friday afternoon. So, uh it, it, yeah, Thursday to get things started should be a pretty good time. And you never know. I mean, maybe there's a game in there that we didn't even talk about that ends up being pretty good. We'll we, see. We, we have some uh, great, uh, great responses about who's coming. Um, so, uh, AJ, boom shakalaka swinging by, Sir Boy Wonder. Uh, Everett says he's coming by. Uh, and Richard from Indian Hill. Oh, no way. Yeah, and he was asked, is he driving his Aston Martin up there to Westchester or the Lamborghini? He's not responded yet. Uh, Sir Boy will be drinking White Claws. It's not a real man. Here's the one I love, William Woolard. Hey, guys, I listen every day driving my semi-truck. I'm broke down right now and wanted to say I love the show. If there's ever a Chatterbox Reds game we're going to this year, I'll be joining you. William, we hope you're all right. We hope you're not, you know, stuck somewhere and it's freezing cold and we hope everything's okay. Richard from Indian Hill says he might fly up on his helicopter. It's a little bit of a ride for him. Yeah, it it should be a fun time. And, uh, yeah, so I I will be here. I'm here today, obviously. I'll be here tomorrow. I think I'm going to end up. I Initially, I thought I was going to fly, but then I realized commercial, it's, actually quicker to drive because there's no direct flights to greensboro yeah um and, that's only about uh, a what seven eight hour drive yeah, it's about seven hours yeah the, the only, the only that's thing, an easy ride well the only thing i'm worried about which i won't know of um so i will be there i'll be there through the big east because providence is also there actually with the rebound rundown too it's kind of a win-win uh, because kentucky is also in greensboro so i will be covering xavier and providence but then also Kentucky with the show. I mean, it's, it's kind of all some, some synergy there. Um, so I'll be at the Xavier game at 1240 on Friday. I'll also be at the Providence game, uh, Providence and Kentucky at 715, I think. So Friday as part night. of your job description, if you're going on this trip, this is the Big East Conference picking up the tab? Yeah, it, basically, yeah. Okay, if that's true, how do they feel about you walking around in Xavier garb all the time? Well, it, it's cheerleading just, for Xavier. Well, it's everybody. 
I mean, I know they're in the league, but I mean, how do people like, you know, Ed well, I don't, Cooley or who else feel about all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't wear any Xavier gear if I'm doing, if I'm like, I'm not going to wear anything that says Xavier on it. When Are I'm you going to wear a coat and tie again? Uh, to this, yeah, I probably will. Yeah, you I should. Yeah, I probably will. Be for a big the, league move. Yeah, I probably will for this. It's a... Uh, I mean, it's fun. It's 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 great being down there, and it should be some good environments. Big Blue Nation obviously travels pretty well, so. Um, but I, the only thing I <laughs> the only thing that kind of makes me nervous about driving is if they get that late late session on Sunday night, drive through the night. I might just have to drive straight to Hamilton. We'll see. What do you mean late late session? Oh yeah, because they like play if they, yeah, they yeah, both teams win games, and then, play, yeah, then yeah, they yeah. play Sunday and they they play it, you know. Well, I mean theoretically, what would be the competition of games in those in those time frames? I mean, if you look at some of the matchups, right? That uh, so of of the games that are played Friday, right? Okay, and and you go ahead and you put forth um, the brackets, right? Yeah. What other games would make sense to be in prime time? I mean, they love putting Kentucky in prime time. Yeah, my guess would right. Yeah, my guess would be that they play the Kentucky game. Kentucky Kansas State would probably be. Oh, for sure, that's a prime time. That game. would be the prime time game. Which, yeah, which then would mean that Xavier and Iowa State potentially, or you know, and and that's the other thing. If Xavier ends up playing, say Pittsburgh, that has a whole lot less cachet than. A Big 12 opponent with Iowa State. Well, you know, I say that. I don't know. Pitt's had a good year this year, and, and Pitt fans are. Yeah, I mean, when they're, they're, they're kind yeah, of like so their own not. sort maybe of little. Yeah, maybe I was not. around yeah. some of that down in, uh, down when I was down uh, uh, Christmas break down in Florida and went into a bar, and, um, and Penn State was playing um, in the Rose Bowl, but Pitt was finishing up their game. So I got to talking to some guys who were Pitt fans. Uh, this was all leading up to Ohio State playing that night. We're trying to get a seat and, you know, this kind of thing. And, I mean, talking to these guys about what it means to be a Pitt fan compared to, they're like, we despise Penn State. Kind of like UC fans with Ohio State, right? So Pitt has their own little, you know, more than little. They have a good following. Yeah. My, my guess would be, um, like Mouse Cop points out, my guess would be that um, – if, if the game was to play on uh, – the, see, the difference here is Xavier plays in the early session. They play the very first game on Sunday afternoon – or, on sorry, on Friday afternoon. They yep. play at 1240. Kentucky plays at 715. Those are two different sessions in Greensboro. You would get – if you buy a ticket, you would get a ticket to Xavier. Then you would get a ticket to the Iowa State game. They then you're dump, out. They dump the building. Then they play Kentucky and Kansas State. So there's four games that day. On Sunday, you would play the Xavier-Iowa State game, potentially, and then you would play the Kentucky-Kansas State game. But those games would be back-to-back. So, you know, if they wanted to play Kentucky at 640, I don't really know what's prime time on a Sunday, though. Because sometimes they like to play, like, the mid-afternoon on Sunday is when they like to play some of those bigger games. Yeah, the four and the and the seven more so than the you know the nine stuff. You know That's what, I, what mean? I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like football. I mean, football puts their best games on at four thirty in the afternoon. It's gonna be cold, um, and you know people are gonna be inside. Um, so, so yeah. So Xavier, Xavier in Kentucky on Sunday, especially for people that are listening, that might be Xavier fans that are wanting interested to go to that game. If you think that Xavier, if you feel confident that Xavier is going to beat Kennesaw State on Friday, I would su- highly suggest looking at your tickets now 
because if Kentucky beats Providence, they'd be in the same session as Big Blue Nation, which would sell out that arena. So tickets oh, yeah. tickets for Sunday for Xavier would be a little more expensive than they would be on Friday afternoon. But you, uh, you, you passed over very quickly, and it's my fault, but you are uh, deciding. I asked you the other day, and you came in today before the show, and you said you and your dad are going up tonight. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Casey, you going? I'm not going. I've only been to the first four once, um, and it was great. I went uh, back in 2018. I went. Um, somebody had an extra ticket. I went up there, and it was a great time. Saw UCLA, but, UCLA play. But you said you got a, a, a good price. Yeah, well, yeah. I uh, we don't have a ticket sponsor, so I guess I can say we. Went, I went to TickPick. Um, it's a great site, no fees, and uh, it saved. I think saved me about thirty some dollars from StubHub, and uh, yeah, paid. $33 a ticket, and we're sitting not all that far off the court, kind of in the corner. Uh, it's not a bad not a bad deal. So we'll see. We'll get up there, see the 16-seed game, and then the late game. I, I was more interested to go tonight just because, like I said, potential that one of these teams plays X on Sunday, potentially. I, I don't see that happening, but you never know. It, one Kirby had that stat yesterday, one team from the first four has made it to the round of 32 every year or something like that. So, you, you know, you're, you're potentially seeing a Pitt team that could beat Iowa State on Sunday. I don't think Mississippi State would beat Iowa State, but I think Pitt could. Um, you know, so. and somebody, by the way, um, somebody – so I, I was listening to a radio show. I don't know if it's Lance McAllister, Mo. I, I don't know who it was. Uh, but there's this guy that calls regularly, and I was telling you guys beforehand. You know, we're talking about tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and this guy, apparently, whoever he is, he goes to all kinds of games all over the country. He's got time, must have a little money, and he loves just going to especially, you know, ma big sporting events. Sounds, so like, Mar sounds using, like Marlins, man. What's that? Sounds like Marlins, man. Right, right. But he, he's not – I don't think he's that level. But, but he said that, you know, if you really want – say you're a Xavier fan, Right. And you want to go down to Greensboro. And you can't get tickets through Xavier. Maybe you're having some issues uh, from a price standpoint with something else. This guy maintains that if you go, and he does it all the time. He said, if you go on to, in this case, so I'm looking at the teams that are playing there. So Kennesaw State, okay, you know, it's small school in Georgia. I don't know how many fans they get up there. Iowa State, Mississippi State slash Pitt. Okay, they'll get a decent amount. Kentucky, huge amount, no doubt. Uh, Providence, uh, they got a good fan base, but I don't know how many people are traveling down there. But in the other one, you have Kansas State and Montana State. So here's what I'm getting at. This guy maintains that if you were to go to the Montana State website, every school is allotted so many tickets. There's, there's a very good chance, according to him, that not many people from Montana State, and that is in, um, I've been there, Bozeman, Montana. Um, they're, 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 they're not going to sell out their tickets, more than likely. Who knows? A lot of money in Bozeman. A lot of money, a lot of money recently. Okay? But, you know, you can pick up a ticket by just calling their athletic department and say, hey, you guys sold out? No, I'm not. Uh, can I buy two tickets? They'll send them to you overnight. And you can get a good price on it. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a very good point. It says the same thing for, you know, any West Coast team coming East, right? And that the chances are, if it's not a UCLA 
or you know Gonzaga probably travels relatively well, though a very small school, but a big following. Uh, but, but Arizona would travel very well. But outside of that, some of the other teams out there, a St. Mary's, somebody like that, you know, who knows? Uh, but I, I would try, if you're thinking about that, uh, checking it out according to this guy with Montana State. Okay. Uh, we got the Tracer on in about five minutes. Anything else on your guys' mind before we get to the Tracer? Uh, I don't think so. I, I'm just looking forward to – oh, we're doing brackets tomorrow, right? That's I right. Make thank sure get, you. Thank you. So, I again, I'll be here tomorrow. Casey, if you want. I mean, I, I'm feel free. I can call in Friday. Uh, I, yeah, I could call in Friday, like, right away because Avery's going to play at 1240. So, if you wanted – I mean, I'm not trying to say I have to, but if you guys – if you wanted me to, I could do it right away because by, like, 1130, I'll have to be over there. So, so uh, 1130 tomorrow you got to leave? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. I will be here all, all day tomorrow. So we'll do our I'll brackets tomorrow. Day. Yes, I'll be here all day tomorrow. Do you, you know, wait, wait, real quick, and, and, and we're, we're, we're doing this on the fly, because I got to thinking about this after you were just talking about not being here on Thursday. Um, tomorrow, we're joined by Jay Morrison from The Athletic, talk about what's going on with the Bengals. My dad is going to be joining us, as he regularly does on Wednesday. We're not doing any big, long interview tomorrow because of everything going on with the tournament, NFL free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would, but if you're not going to be here Thursday, it, we, we got to do the brackets tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. We'll do All it tomorrow. Right. Okay. Do you, and you want us to pull them up and do it. Pull them up, take All pictures right. of them. We'll put Love them up. It. Right. Yep. Love it. My dad's going to do the same. I forgot to ask Tracy Jones about this today. So Tom, Trace said that, uh, he would give Casey a 1% raise for every point that NKU wins by on Thursday night. Every point that NKU beats Houston now, by. that is quite an offer. That's a 1% raise. That's but, one where the boss can't lose. But if they lose, I got to bring donuts in for everyone. So, 20 bucks for, you know, 20% raise. I mean, I got to take a 20% <laughs> raise, right? You know who's making the best donuts in town right now? Not because it's, it's our sponsor, but UDF. They've been really pubbing these things, and they've got them now every morning. They're doing all kinds of different ones. It's a big push for them right now. Yeah. This is a big deal. I'll bring in some UDF donuts. So make sure you stop at UDF. Is it a new – did they, like, revamp a formula or something? They've or? revamped a, a lot of things that they're going to really Recipe? be pushing, I'm told, after meeting with Denise down there. Trace and I were down there talking about what, what they're really pushing moving forward. There's going to be a lot more choices from the hot food. They're going to be putting in these big, huge oven things, and every one of them, apparently, it's going to be a big deal. Um, one other thing that we have here, uh, Trace, we just got a text from Trace, not Tracy, uh, Trace Fowler. Trace Fowler said that uh, he's going to be here at the end of the show. He has some big announcement from Betfred uh, that he wants to make live on the show. So really? We're going to do not, Reed and I are going to do not too picky when this show ends. But Trace is going to come in. He said he's going to be here around 11.45. But, I mean, he can come in whenever Trace is done. And then uh, – He can come in whenever he wants. He's a boss. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, he can just boot Tracy's ass right off the air. That's what I'm saying. We're good. He has something to say. He has something to well, say. I can't wait. I have no idea what this is. Somebody says uh, on here, and I'll, I'd be interested to ask Tracy Jones this because I don't know if he ever played minor league baseball. This is an interesting point. If you ever played baseball, uh, minor league baseball in Georgia. But somebody makes a point here in the chat 
that there are a lot of beautiful women at Kennesaw State. I have no idea if that's true or not, but the South is the South. Atlanta. Is that where they are, hot Atlanta? Well, I mean, it's Kennesaw, Georgia, but yes, it's, it's Atlanta. Okay. William, by the way, who's in his semi, it's broken down. He says he's getting everything fixed. So thank you so much for thinking of him and asking about him, and uh, we hope he's well. Uh, Reed Mouse keeps pounding away this baseball talk. Well, what am I going to talk about with baseball? The only thing that I have to say about this WBC thing is uh, my good friend, Ken Rosenthal, used to work with Ken a lot. Uh, he uh, is one of the lead baseball writers now at The Athletic. You see him on Fox during the World Series and the playoffs and all that kind of thing. He asked the question, which is a legitimate question. If the United States is not playing to win, why are they even playing? And he's talking about specifically the pitchers. Outside of Lance Lynn, um, you know, 90% of the pitching staff, a lot of guys you've never heard of. They're not going to be big-time rotation guys. There's no Verlander. There's no... Max Scherzer, there's none of these guys on the U.S. team, although the position players are a bunch of stars. But he went into how you have Mark DeRosa. Now, he's never managed anything. He was an excellent player. He's very good on television. But he's a manager of this Team USA thing. And his predecessors, as Ken Rosenthal points out in the article, guys like Davey Johnson, Jim Leland, who managed Team USA, they would have never signed on for this thing under the conditions that DeRosa is under for major league teams about how much, how long, and how frequently he can use these pitchers in the WBC. Most of them can't pitch back-to-back days. And Ken used the example of the game two nights ago when they got drilled by Mexico. It's a 4-1 game. He can't bring in this guy because it'd be two days in a row. He can't bring in that guy because he threw too many pitches. It's a four-to-one game. You're right in the game. There's two on. There's two out. He has to leave the guy in the game. He gives up a three-run home run. Game over. Seven-to-one. They get beat. So if you're not in it to win it, why are you in it at all? Is there any way that they can make it to where pitchers care or the, the MLB teams care to, to put in some of their players? Because... I think of like the world, like it is a direct correlation. Like they pretty much modeled it after the World Cup. That's right. And it's the same mission to try to spread the game of baseball. And we had a huge, a huge segment yesterday on, on box lunch about it. And, you know, Reed is trying to figure out why the pitchers aren't wanting to play this game. And mainly it's because of money, but you know, there's a way to fix that and that's to make money and how do you make money how do you make this successful that's the big question now they have sellout crowds i mean every venue they have this has been a 40 or fifty-eight thousand at chase field yesterday they're selling out like crazy in miami so there are some people that are interested but please go ahead well i mean i we were just debating on what what it is that we can do to improve it or to get the players to care more and i mean there's only a few factors that get them to care which is money yep and for a lot of the world cup it's the glory of it of course and there's not 
this perception of glory for winning the the WBCA or whatever the this this thing is called WBC the World Baseball Classic World WBC whatever the WBC Classic or whatever you call it whatever you want to call it whatever whatever it is because that's that's I'm proving a point here I know the World Cup I don't know anything about this WBC right so it's just like how do we get it to a point where people start caring at least in America because I think once that happens you're going to see a lot more of the pitchers caring a lot more exciting baseball games in the WBC. All right. Well, who's better to ask about this dilemma than uh, our baseball expert? Apparently, he hasn't changed out of that Montreal Expos. Uh, That's right, Tom. Since you the got... last time we saw him a week ago. Yeah, I haven't changed my shirt. I love the Expos, and I think they should be an expansion team. And I'm going to keep pushing on this show. Everybody's talking about it in the city. I've been wearing it around the city. People are saying, Trace, the Expos need, Montreal needs to get one of the expansion teams. That's the first thing out of their mouth when they see this. The second thing they say is, when they traded you to Montreal, that was the worst trade the Reds have ever made in the history of the organization. I think people listening and watching this show would agree 100%. That was a well, horrible trade. It's been mentioned in the same sentence frequently with a Frank Robinson trade to Baltimore. There's very little debate about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and can I just ask you guys, because I don't ask for much, but can I please, please get some intro music? I'm a Major League Baseball player, damn it. Can we get some Montrose or Cinderella? Who? You know, some group that. Who? Uh, Cinderella, Montrose. You remember Cinderella? Montrose? Cinderella. Come on, Tom. When when you and Hammer were running the streets of uh, Mount Adams, they were playing Cinderella back then. No, they. We weren't listening to that nonsense. We were listening to. Who are you listening to? Go Prince and the Bee Gees. Oh, the PGs were great, weren't they? Love it. They were that's awesome. The first time, that's the first time I was 17 years old. That was the first time I got a reach around. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. You had something to say? Yes. I wanted to ask you about this. This. I don't know if you heard me talking about this column that was written by Ken Rosenthal, who is a very astute baseball guy. He's been around a long time loves the game, cares about the game. Um, and, and based on what took place the other night in the, in the United States' second WBC game, you know, you've got all these big stars, whether it's Mike Trout or Mookie Betts or Kyle Schwarber, who's from Middletown, Ohio, by the way. Um, yeah. All these I guys, that. Tim Anderson, all that kind of thing, they're all playing for Team USA. They're all in, representing the United States. Uh, but the pitching staff, not so much. And... You know, uh, Mark DeRosa, the manager, has been given all of these rules and regulations and pitch counts and how frequently you can use guys and how frequently you can't use guys from the major league teams where all these guys are coming from, which is, is not a surprise. Um, but that, you know, his hands were tied the other night. They end up losing the game to Mexico. They get drilled. And Ken Rosenthal asks a legitimate question. If you're in it, are you not in it to win? And if you're not in it to win, then why are you in it at all? 
Well, I don't know if the the U.S. team's in it to win it. The position ball players are very good, but the pitcher's a little shaky. But I'll tell you who's in it to win it are the Latin teams. Yes. You know, whether you're talking about the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Cuba. I mean, you've got all the top-notch hitters, position players, pitchers. And and I will say this. I, I, think, I think the Latin players, this is what they're in for. This is what they enjoy. Yep. I think they enjoy this more than playing in the World Series here in the United States. I, I know people probably disagree. I'm just saying from my observation, man, these guys are out for blood. They're going to show you that the Latin players are better than the players from the United States. And even when I played, they wanted to show you how good they were. And there's so many, so many great Latin players. Did you ever go down and play winter ball? I didn't. I, I, but, you know, it's tough to, I mean, they wanted me to go play in Venezuela one year. And I had just led the league in hitting in the double A and in Vermont and led the league in stolen bases. And my point was, and it was Chief Bender. You remember Chief Bender? Oh, of course, who was, of course. Oh, great guy, great guy. I'm like, Chief, what am I gonna prove down in winter ball? What's the upside? I mean, you accomplished so much during the season. I need to rest and relax and get ready for my season in the big leagues. He says, well, you're not gonna play in the big leagues. He says, you're gonna play AAA. I says, you watch me, I'll be in the big leagues. And as they say, the rest is history, Tom. That's a cocky, arrogant baseball player. I only asked the question because uh, for anybody who has ever paid really much attention to winter ball, you'll have the big stars, okay, uh, from uh, whether they're the Dominican or Venezuelan or whatever it might be, who will not play during the regular season of you know winter ball, whatever it might be, you know, like in. Um, Puerto Rico, they'll have five teams that play or six teams in the Puerto Rican Winter League. Dominican has more than that. Mexico has more than that. On and on and on and on. But then when you get to the last, and you bring up a great point here about how it matters to these players, right? Yeah. When you get into the last eight or ten games of the regular season before the playoffs are going to start, ultimately leading to the Caribbean World Series, now all of a sudden all the big boys come out. Right? Because they want, it is important for them, for the Dominican Republic to win the Caribbean World Series. That is a much better example, in my opinion, although without the scope, I think the Caribbean World Series is closer to a World Cup environment where you have fans, you have, you have just fans that are insane. The environment is unbelievable for a baseball game and how important it is to those players who are from those countries to play for their countries. I agree with you, but how lame is it to play a whole season and then all of a sudden you get to crunch time and now you add the stars. So let's forget about the players that got us there. Hey. Let's start adding on to it. It's not right. I'll tell you who used to do that. And I can't believe criticize. you're a guy that's complaining about that. But the you, last you, you're almost bit. going to like California participation trophy kind of stuff here with that comment. Let me tell you on a smaller level who used the to do The big boys it, get in the game. The big boys. Okay, listen to this. Now let me this ask you. Is this is a meritocracy here. Do you think this is right? And this is, do you remember the Midland program? The great Midland 
Uh, uh, Papa Joe Hayden Joe lives Hayden. out in Anderson Township. Great. God rest his soul, absolutely. Right. I'm very familiar. I was a player for Midland back when I could play baseball, believe it or not. Hold on. I don't think so. I think that's BS, and we'll have to address it. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about their Connie Mack or Babe Ruth. Uh, out in Anderson Township, Midland has two teams at every single level in knot hole that works their way all the way through. Ask my good friend, former major league hero of the Yankees, Jim Laritz. He was my teammate for four years. Ask him, big boy. Go look it up. Yeah. Here, here's the look thing. It up. Laritz also played for the Redskins. And so people that don't know the Redskins and Midland, that's their top Connie Mack team, right? And they right. get players from all over the country. I mean, all over the country. When Hunter played, there were only two local kids, Hunter and another kid, uh, Adam Engel, who's in the big leagues playing with the Padres. So they were the only two kids. But what Midland would do, right or wrong, I didn't really like it, but that's what they did. If they had a tournament, they would fly pitchers out from California. They did it with a guy by the name of Tago. Tago was like the 17th pick from the Colorado Rockies. Look him up. He's a pretty good pitcher. But they flew him out just to pitch in a game, in a big game. Do you think that's all right, Tom? Absolutely. Just to win? Oh, well. You're in it. You are cold-blooded. You're in it to win it. Right? I mean, you're in it to win uh, it. I'm in. Wait a minute. I'm in it to win it with my guys. I'm not going to have you take me all the way and then all of a sudden, hey, we've got to win this game. Let me get some guy from SoCal. Hey, get look. Is there anything? Well, I don't want. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to have a lot of SoCal guys on my team. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not. I'd take Tracy yeah. Jones and your makeup, but I want guys like the Marquette player, the basketball player, Kolick. Tyler Kolick. That's my kind of guy. Are you filling out a bracket, by the way, for the basketball tournament? Do you pay attention to it? You know, I had one really bad experience when I was with the Giants. 64 teams, right? And you know how they always have the pool. Yes. So in the big leagues in spring training, when I was with the Giants, $200. $200 for every pick that you had of the 64 teams. You would They'd have one through 64, and you would reach in and pick out a number. So we're at, what, $1,280, almost $13,000. Did I do the math right? I think I did. So we have it. I get, reach in. I grab number one. So I get the first pick. After, you know, I got number one. I picked the number one team, which was Georgetown. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember. Back in 90, maybe it was 89. So everybody picks. There's still some really good numbers. Another $100. Reach into that cap. Pull out. The number two, I get anyone I want, right? Because I got, I pick Arizona. Arizona's mm. the second ranked team that year. This should have been with the Giants because both those teams didn't even make it to the Elite Eight. So I had the first and second. I think I'm going to spend, you know, get 13, almost $13,000. I got zilch and was out like in the third round. Look it up. That's a true story. First, Georgetown, then Arizona, and I lost on both. So ever since then, I don't bet. 
All right, now listen, we have an outing on Thursday where we're taking this show remote. Now, I know that for a guy like you, you're very busy. Uh, you're managing all your apartment buildings. You've got, you're managing uh, billions of dollars somewhere in the neighborhood of what SVB was managing out there. And uh, uh, the no, high we, we don't Silicon stick our money. Valley. Wait a minute, hold on. Hold on. We don't stick our money in a woke bank. Right. You know, they'll bail out that California bank, but I'll be damned if, if there's a bank in Texas or Florida that gets in trouble that you'll have the regulators come in and bail them out. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry for interrupting. You know, no, no. while we're on this topic real quick, I do want to ask you because, you know, we try to branch off from time to time from just talking about sports and we'll get back to this in a minute. But um what are your thoughts? There are a lot of people that are scared. You're a money guy. I'm being very serious when I ask this question, right? I'm not going down some yeah. political road. You're a money guy. That's how you make your living and have in your post-baseball career. There are a lot of people that worry there's going to be another big run on banks again now. Are you in that camp after this SVB thing? Listen, I everything, if you haven't noticed and just listen, everything's a joke with me, right? Except when it comes down to people's money, then I become real serious. Tom, I think we're in for some tough times. If we think that's the only bank and the bank in New York, the other crypto bank, those are the only banks that are in trouble, you are fooling yourself. Just my opinion. Watch, you know, Charles Schwab, you know, there's a brokerage, was down 20, 25% yesterday. Fifth Third was down. 15%. Now, I'm not saying these banks are in trouble or brokerage, but I'm just saying everybody got hit. So what happened in Northern California with SVB or whatever they're, they're called, uh, I, I don't think they're alone. I, I don't. I, I think there's others that are going to fall. And I really worry about regional banks. Okay. But well, we'll see. Inflation is out of control. Do you not agree with that? Well, there, there's I no mean, doubt everything about that. There's that, no doubt about I, that. I mean, how are people surviving? I, I don't know. People. I don't. I mean, I, don't I walk know. in the grocery store now and and I mean, and I think to myself and we're lucky to make a good living and have a decent amount of cash and have for a long time. But I used to walk in there and basically buy the same stuff that I buy now when I go. And I just went on Sunday afternoon and it used to cost me 60, 70, 75 bucks. Now I'm looking at 120, 125, 135 for basically the, everything is through the roof. And, and, and for the people who are living paycheck to paycheck, I don't know how they're doing it. I, I don't. I have no idea how they're doing I, it. I know how they're doing it. I know how they're doing it. They're doing it on the credit card. Well, that's right. I mean, that's we're right. almost at $1 trillion in credit card debt. You know, this, is, this thing is going to blow up. This economy is going to blow up. People just cannot handle this, whether it's their car payment, whether it's their adjustable rate mortgage. I mean, you know, you go back a year ago, adjustable rate mortgage is three and a half percent i mean we're over seven percent now and it's just it's just going to snowball and it's it's sad because we had the financial crisis in 2008 and i really feel there's one that's going to happen i think this year so please people be you know have some money on the sidelines cash is there, king right yeah. now. some of those banks down. have gone back up and brokerage firms today they've gone back up Wells Fargo up four bucks, Morgan Stanley mm -hmm. up, Bank of America up a one percent, whatever. So you know some of those are off, but as you mentioned, I mean Schwab yesterday drops twelve percent in one day. All right, so but the uh, go, go ahead. ahead. 
No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that that's because the Fed is not going to uh, raise rates on the 20th. That That's why. You know, they were talking about the Fed raising raising the rates 50 basis points where they're going to pull that back. So maybe 25, maybe nothing. So that's good for the market. You know, they're always just kicking the can, right? Kicking the can. You know, you're $32 trillion in debt. But hey, who's worried about that? We'll let Casey, you know, and Polly pick up that tab. We'll be long gone, Tom. Sure. All right, yeah, back to sure. our outing here very quickly. And we have to let you go a couple of minutes earlier today because Trace has a big announcement, uh, and, and we don't know what that announcement is. So he's coming in any minute now. Um, we're having an outing, Tracy, on Thursday. I mean, I'm sure you're really busy. You've got power meetings, uh, whether it be in the real estate industry, whether it be in the financial industry, whatever it might be. Uh, your expertise is sought after on multiple topics, on multiple days, multiple hours. There aren't enough hours in the day. Um, no doubt. But, but we're going to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Uh, which what is I'm that place? Richard what is that? Richard from Indian Hill says he's coming. Richard from Indian Hill says he's coming. Well, he, he, no, he, he, knows, uh, he, do, he doesn't know what that place does. It serves chicken wings. Doesn't he it? He said he was coming in the chat. He's already acknowledged. He was asked whether he was driving his Aston Martin, his Lamborghini. He said he might take his helicopter uh, up to Buffalo Wings and Rings. So is there any chance we have an appearance? Because everybody wants to know in our chat, uh, is, is there any chance of the Tracer showing up for this event this coming Thursday, yay or nay? You know what? I have other obligations, but I tell you what I will do for you people is I'm going to send my body double. I actually have a body double, Tom, that I send to engagements that I can't make that I think are worthy, that I think people would like to see me. Uh, so I will send my body double. He looks just like me. We'd be wearing this jersey. I haven't taken this off in a week. Um, and, and please, here's the thing, and, and this is what my body double likes if you meet. Don't ask for an autograph. Let's not make eye contact. Let's just give the rock, okay? We don't need to shake hands. You know, do like the Japanese do and just bow to my body double. Casey, are you a little disappointed? Uh, before we let Tracy go, Paul, Casey, you a little disappointed? Tracer is sending his body double on this uh, endeavor? Oh, my God. Well, I have a feeling there there is one thing that Tracy is not. You, you, you can send your body double to this if you want. But there's something you can't send your body double to, Tracy, and that's what Casey has right here. But my eyes are bad. Is that brass here, ass? What is on, it? Do you know me... what this is? Do you know what this is, Tracy? What might this be an envelope oh, for? Oh, my Lord. I just got one today, Tracer. Invitation. That's right. It's an invitation. Oh, God. Thank you, You're not you, going to send your body double to this, are you? <laughs> Well, that could be, you'll never know. It's kind of like Joe Biden has a body double, and you guys don't know if it's the real Joe Biden or the body double, right? So does Kamala. Kamala has a body double. Casey, I will be there. Danae, my wife, will probably be with her boyfriend. I mean, she'll be in California, but I will make it, and I'll have you a nice president. present. What would you like? Oh, I'm going to give you a bobblehead. Remember August 16th? At, at <laughs> That's the, perfect. At the, at the Florence you alls uh, I'm going to get you a bobblehead, so there's no. you It all's. is not Tom? Florence Uwalls. If you, I mean, you live in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, 
When you drive by that huge water tower, it doesn't say Florence Y apostrophe O-U-A-L-L-S. It says Y apostrophe A-L-L-S. Y'all. How do you pronounce it? Y'alls. 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 And I am going to bring my pot roast for our potluck wedding dinner, our rehearsal dinner. Not rehearsal. On it? a departing note, Tracer, Everett from the chat says, Tracy only eats cage-free chicken wings from California. From Pepperidge Farm. Yes, that's exactly. With no uh, HMO or whatever that is. It's, HMO, you gotta eat that's organic. a health care plan. <laughs> I think it was a PPO or an HMO. I wasn't yeah. sure. Right. You know. Hey, All right. hey, by the way, boys, I haven't had any sugar or alcohol in a week. Can you believe that? That's pretty good, right? That's Remember good. we talked about it? And, yep. and let me say this. I thought on Thursday it was our best show. It was always ranked. A, a, it was actually graded as a perfect show. It was that good. And I, I can tell you about that on Thursday, how they're graded. It's, it's the same company that does the FQI. But what they liked about the show on Thursday is everybody opening up and talking about their vice or their addiction. You remember yeah. that? That was a hell of a show. I talked about my addiction to sugar. Tom, you talked about your addiction and issues with alcohol. Casey had two. He had he had that he lied and that he's a degenerate gambler, which the, the people who watched it really liked that. And then, of course, Reed had a problem with Pornhub, being on that uh, website all the time. And, Polly, I have to ask you, I have to ask you, what is your vice or your addiction? Is it that you're a peeping Tom? Are you a druggie? What is it? No, uh... I'm addicted to, uh, ooh, that's a good question. What am, what am I addicted to? I, Be honest now. They love it when you're honest. I don't know. College basketball, probably. Tom would think I have that, a bad no, college basketball addiction. That's being a dork. <laughs> I'd probably check that box, too. And by the way, Tracy, it's GMO. PPO and HMO, these are healthcare option plans. Okay, it's GM. Yeah, did I re did I tell you, Tom? I actually have my uh, life and health license too, so I do do sell insurance. See, well, Casey might I'm need to, well to look into that now that he's getting married. That would be very important. Yep. Yes. Oh, very important. All right, Tracer, have a good day today. We'll catch up with you on Thursday. Thank you for the time, my friend. All right, see you, boys. Have a good day. The Tracer. I mean, you want, to, you want to talk money? You want to talk real estate? You want to talk uh, issues that all of us have, vices, right? I mean, Tracy's your guy. That was a lame answer, Paul. Everybody else opened up about their issues. I mean, I opened up about giving up booze for Lent. Casey was very forthcoming. His gambling problem. <laughs> Reed, I'm not going to get into that one. I, I knew that that was going to circle back again somehow, some way today. Um, you know that? Marriage counseling. You know, when I think about it, I actually, I gave up gambling around the same time that Lint started. And I haven't gambled since. 
I haven't gambled in so long, I legitimately, like, haven't even thought about it. Both of you, though, know that's changing starting Thursday. I actually know it's not. North Carolina doesn't have betting, so I'm out of the game I didn't say North weekend. Carolina had to have betting. Betfred Sports has betting. I know, but I can't get anything in. I can't. I'm out. Casey, you're going back to the well. I mean, depends on if NKU wins. You're going by. <laughs> back to the well for the tournament. There are a lot of guys out there that, that don't gamble all year long, but they say to themselves, and I'm in this category, where you know I jump in a little, little uh, deal with a couple buddies, and, uh, and we'll go through. Two out of three have to agree on the pick. So it is what it is. All right, Trace Fowler is here, our president, CEO, and leader of men. Trace, you have a big announcement to make here today. Is that correct? This is our cherry on top, too. Okay, this is our UDF cherry on Some top. synergy. Yeah. Good morning. So, good morning. Good morning. My, my, my voice is shot from yelling at Reed Mouse yesterday about the World Baseball Classic. But um, so you, this is a perfect segue because I know why they're on the sideline, Tom. The, they're on the sideline because they, um, you know, they, they weren't – that bankroll kind of got down to zero. They didn't want to replenish it, and I understand that. However – for the Chatterbox crew that's going to be there, they're going to get a $250 free bet. Ooh. Really? Wow. $250 free bet. So Casey's got a chance to get back in the game. He's got to hit it, though. I mean, it's a free bet. So Doesn't what does that mean? Explain that, because I don't know what so, you mean. When you say that, I don't so know what even you, Tom. We'll get you, on, we'll get you all. We'll all have to pick one side, which I know what it's going to end up being, because, you know. Bob Huggins is the coach of one of those teams, so I'm sure that's that, right. I'm loading I'm, up I'm, on West Virginia. I'm pretty Virginia. sure that it'll be West Virginia for us. <clears throat> Free bet for those that don't know is essentially just uh, it's an opportunity to where you have not real cash in your account, so you can't just take the money out, but you have an opportunity to wager that money on something, which is two hundred fifty dollars, and if you win, then you win two hundred fifty dollars, and that's cash in your account that then you could bet again. Okay, so. The other thing for those that are going to come to this, which again is uh, on Union Center, we'll, we'll have all the details tomorrow on where it's going to be. Um, we'll do the show and then we'll obviously do a, a, a live stream watch along. For those that come at Wings and Rings, for any over that hits while we're there, Chatterbox will buy a round. Oh, say that again. For any person that comes, for every over that hits, so you got to realize the whole bar, the whole place is going to be rooting for an over. Whatever that over is. I don't know what the – Paulie, put, pull it up on Betfred. First over of the day for, for West Virginia. 137.5. 137.5. If we can get those total points to go over 137.5, Chatterbox will buy a round for the whole bar. How about that? Now you're talking. You're getting free cash from Betfred. These guys are. So not, not every person that walks in gets $250 no, from Betfred. I understand Betfred. that. But – but if they're Who's there, those guys, these two, those two, Sean, you, okay. Reed. All right. Okay. And then but they get free beer, possibly. Okay. And possibly a free, free round. Um, that's for every game. On that's Thursday. for one. We're there. I mean, I guess like Paul said, that'll probably be the first three games of the day. I'm sticking around for the West Virginia game and I got to get out. Right. But that, again, it will be at, and we'll have all the details officially tomorrow, but we're planning on Buffalo Wings and Rings, and that is in what part of town, Trace, for people that don't know? It's in Westchester, okay. so it's the one that's right there on 747. Uh, again, we'll put, um, 
We'll put the official address. Maybe and this tomorrow. place is sweet. I mean, they got lots of TVs, Beautiful. everything. You'll be able to see every game going on. Once they start divvying up regions, they start one game at like 12.05, and then they start splitting like 12.25, yep. 12.30, yep. right? Yeah, 12, 12.15, 12.40, yeah, and then, and then a little after 1 o'clock. Okay, all right. Okay, yep. so we'll have all the details tomorrow, but the show will be live. Are we moving the start time of the show back a little bit? We were talking a about bit. this. So for those that are wanting to watch the show live, they don't actually open until 11. Okay. So we're going to start the show probably a little bit before that you can actually get in. Okay. Um, but certainly if you come towards the end of the show, we'll be live. And then obviously we're going to keep it streaming to get our reactions and, and uh, good. And basically watch us sweat out these bets, as they say. Amen. And hopefully we get some overs and everybody can have fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we haven't officially uh, made the decision on what we're all going to roll with. But I'm, I have a hard suspicion that it's not going to be Bob Huggins and the West Virginia Mountaineers. But I'll, I'll let these guys decide. But the only rule that I have with the free bet is everyone has to be on the same side. Okay. All right. It's got to be one, one singular side of the bet. That, and that's bet, Fred. Sportsbook. That's right. We thank them. Trace, we thank you. Fellas, you're back in the game. I mean, it's like Pacino. <laughs> it's like Pacino in The Godfather. I want out, but they keep pulling me back. They keep pulling me back. You're back in the game. I'm back. North's up. <laughs> Win by 20. Let's go. And get a raise. Get a raise. Let's go. If they win the game by 20, will you buy a round? Yes, I'd buy a round. <laughs> right. I'll, buy, right. I'll buy a round for the bar. All right, all right. Tomorrow we got um, Jay Morrison, talk uh, everything going on, all Bengals, what they're up to. Uh, Marty Brenneman will join us as well. We're going to unveil our picks, the three of us tomorrow. It's a big deal. Casey, I mean, you have bags under your eyes, staying up late. They tell you, don't get inside a computer or on your phone. When you get into bed at night, shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom, all that kind of stuff. But you are just locked and loaded for this tournament. I am. I'm all in. <laughs> all in. I mean, I spent, I mean, all night the first night. I took a little bit of a break yesterday because I just worked myself to death making that draft. And now I'm going to have to remake it again tonight finishing touches finishing touches on a masterpiece right like michelangelo and painting david this is casey for his <laughs> did michelangelo paint david by the way i think he did didn't he sculpt sculpt david know. was the sculpture it was i thought there was also a painting was it was it a sculpture the, of david the the painting is the the one the, the Last Supper, right? Oh, Last Supper, I don't know. Culture, but... off the bench. <laughs> Straight in the tank. First <laughs> attempt at it. I always say that because my wife and daughter are there today. They, were, they said they were going to see David. So I assume that meant a painting. They said Michelangelo, but maybe you're right. Can you yeah, look it no, up real the, quick? The, the David is a sculpture. It is. Okay. Yes. All right, that's in Florence, Italy. Sure. I'm quite sure of that. See, there you go. We bounced back strong there, knowing that much. All right, gentlemen, Casey, Paul, thank you. Great stuff today. Trace, thank you. Looking forward to, to uh, Thursday. Thank all of you. Look forward to you joining us in, in, in your shows tomorrow after our show, right? Or is that today? No, we're, Reed and I are doing, doing that right, right now. now. Yep. Not too picky. So yep. now that he's back in the game, 
He's got a little skin in the game again. A little skin in the game. Paul, we're leaning on your expertise for our pick of the free money for Thursday. Okay? All right. All right. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.